Hello, and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 129. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing Enterprise's second season episodes, Judgment, Horizon, and The Breach. Here we go. Judgment, Season 2, Episode 19, Production Number 219, Original Air Date, April 9, 2003, Directed by James L. Conway, Story by Taylor Elmore and David A. Goodman, Teleplay by David A. Goodman. Guest cast include J.G. Hertzler as Advocate Kolos, Granville Van Dusen as Klingon Magistrate, John Vickery as Prosecutor Orak, Daniel Rorden as Duras, Helen Cates as Klingon First Officer, DJ Lockhart as Klingon Cell Guard, and Danny Kolker as Klingon Rorapente Guard. On Narendra 3, Archer stands before a Klingon court magistrate with a crowd of bloodthirsty Klingons looking on. The captain is charged with conspiring against the Klingon Empire and will stand trial. He is banished to a cell where Archer meets his Klingon advocate, Kolos, who gives him the ambiguous lowdown on his Klingon trial and warns him not to speak during the tribunal. Had Diras destroyed that ship, he would have been lauded as a hero of the Empire for murdering helpless refugees. <sighs> we were a great society. Not so long ago. When honor was earned through integrity and Acts of true courage. Judgment. Uh, before we get started on judgment, happy Thanksgiving if you are in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're actually doing a rare thing. We're going to post on Thanksgiving. And uh, if you remember, if you've been listening to our show for a while, you know we usually take extra little breaks here in the holidays and stuff. But this year, <laughs> we are on track. I really want us to be able to start the original series right on the 50th anniversary. And that basically means... Uh, you know, posting a show every two weeks. We're still going to do our our holiday episode. I mean, yeah, our holiday episode, which will be four weeks from uh, Thanksgiving. Um, we're still going to have one more regular episode two weeks after Thanksgiving. But anyway, so here we are posting on Thanksgiving. And if you're in the United States, happy Thanksgiving. Okay. I am thankful for the Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> um, judgments. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think this episode, it's 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 trying to do something kind of interesting. Uh, there, there's almost like this sense of setting up the Klingons. Well, <laughs> I mean, it was almost funny um, uh, when Archer's advocate, who I've forgotten his name, Kolos, 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 oh. right? Uh, when Kolos. Uh, he's in Archer's cell, I think the second time or something, you know, and Archer's trying to talk him into, like, insisting that he, meaning Archer, gets to tell his side of the story in in, in court. And Archer says something along the lines of, you're afraid of them. Um, and the fact that the advocate doesn't immediately threaten to kill him tells you it's different times for the Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, but then, you know, later on, there's some more stuff, you know, when the, when the advocate's talking about um, the different Klingon classes, you know, and he says to Archer something like, you didn't think we were all warriors, did you? And Archer said, well, yeah, I did, actually. Uh, but he says, well, we were a great society when honor was earned through acts of true courage, not senseless bloodshed, you know. And he talks about these, you know, there this respect for the diff different occupations and 
uh, his his parents. And then by the end of the episode, when he decides to stick around, you know, so I guess what I'm getting at here is it's almost like maybe they were sort of trying to set something up in the way that, uh, you know, the the Vulcans are different during this show. Um, But I don't think that it really works and there's not really much of a payoff. You know, we get we get a lot more Klingon stuff in the fourth season with the augments and all that. Um, But for the most part. I don't think this this concept really sticks, and that they, you know, and I don't know that it that it particularly uh, works. And maybe that's just because maybe I think this episode isn't that good, you know. Um, but I, you know, it was interesting that they were trying to do something. I just um, I think that in most ways that the episode is, is going to be good or bad. This this episode isn't particularly good. So there's there's my first kind of thoughts about this one. Well, uh, Steve, what what are your first thoughts? Yeah, I think um, this is one of the examples that they're they're just trying to um, they're trying to you know make reference so many different references, and that's like the whole focus of it. There's not enough on that keeping in mind that a good episode is made with a, a good story and you know executing and, and all of that, and it's mostly about let's make all these Star Trek six references. Let's throw in the Duras name to make you think he's an ancestor of him. Let's you know, set up, you know, set up this potential, these notions of a different thing, but never pay it off and never have it connect with any other episodes in the thing. So it's almost like this, you know, you sh- you shake up the, you know, it's like random topics related to Klingons and Star Trek history and throw them out there. And well, it's a weird, it out, yeah. it's a weird episode. It, it it like opens with almost this Rashomon thing, right, where you got mm-hmm. the Duras is retelling. You think, okay, this is going to be that kind of episode, but no, that's like a few minutes, and then it's. Then it's more the yeah, this Star Trek Six court thing. But then even from there, they completely change and they actually end up on Ruapente for almost pointless reasons. I mean, they're they're, mm-hmm. they're there for all of five minutes, and it's completely anticlimactic the way Reed just walks in and escorts you know Archer out. It's um, so it, yeah, it's 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 um, you you I think you hit it on the head there. You know, they're trying to do all these different things when all all it needed was was more of a, a good story. Adam, what are some of your uh, first thoughts? Um, I kind I kind of agree with all you guys with what you're saying. I did like this episode. It's it's kind of a fanboy episode, you know. It, like you said, it makes all the references back to Star um, Star Trek Six. I kind of think um, maybe this would have been benefited if they were able to expand it a little bit because you were mentioning like you know five minutes of more Prente. Um, yeah, it was kind of meaningless. Um, because they just had to, they tried to do so many things so quickly. Um, I would have preferred to see the episode start off with, you know, how Archer got into trouble. You could have gotten through that, and then you would have had a little bit maybe more character development. He goes to jail instead of trying to do like you were talking about the Rashomon thing, um, and maybe made it a two-parter, and you could have had more background on Klingon society and the kind of tease stuff that we got from this episode, but not a whole lot of meat. Um, I think. I don't know. Maybe it could have benefited from a two-parter. Yeah, it definitely it needed more Targ. I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't talk about like how how would how would a starship captain get captured by himself? How does that work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they never went. In, yeah, they never explained that how he got captured. <laughs> I know the Klingons are looking for me, uh, but I want to beam down just by myself to this little Klingon vacation spot. <laughs> It'll just take a minute. Surely they won't arrest me. Well, yeah, I don't yeah. think that's what happened. I don't know. Uh, 
little weird. I don't know. Does it does it seem like there was something there to tell, but they just tried to do it too quickly in the, in the 45 you know, minute episode? I mean, I'm I'm joking around, but you know, starting in media's rest, I mean, it, it, that's cool. You know, that that's neat, and I don't necessarily really need those answers. Um, but yeah, I think that you're both. You know, there's just not enough story. There's not enough targ. <laughs> there's not enough meat. And uh, you because know, I, I, you I had enjoyed a the, of interesting characters. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the scenes with Archer in the cell with um, Colos. I mean, you know, there were some, you know. There was some good scenes and there's some good stuff in this episode, but um, yeah, I kind of fall short. Yeah. Well, I think when it's when you can, like we always say, if you start nitpicking different things, it means there's just not enough, not enough quality to the story, and and so you tear apart all these other things. You just you know you say, oh look, there's a reference to this, there's a reference to that. There's um, why did they do this thing? They could have explained this thing, and if it was really good, you wouldn't give a rip. It would just flow, and it'd be talking yeah. about other things, you know. Who's the Who's the actor that plays Carlos? You know, he's Martog. Martog. Yeah, JG Hertzler. So it's fun to see him too. Another yeah, reference. Yeah, he's, he's, he's good Strat- as the character. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He does the best you can like do with that. I do like the character Carlos. And then we never see him again. But they kind of like tease this thing. Once I get out of jail, I'm gonna work on reforming. And yeah, never see. I assume he just died at Rapente, and right. <laughs> <laughs> we can assume whatever we want. We're never gonna know, I guess. Yeah, he might have been in Star Trek Six, one of the frozen bodies on the top. There you go. <laughs> it's all circular. Yeah, you know that. I mean, that's prior to JJ. The Star Trek movie. Well, okay, after the first one. After motion picture and prior to JJ, you know, Star Trek's two through ten were famously made very cheaply uh, in in terms of on a, compared to Hollywood blockbusters, right? Um, but still, Star Trek six had a heck of a lot more money than this episode of, of Enterprise did, um, and it's kind of hard to, you know, they did a good job TV wise, but I think uh, Repente is probably a bit suffers. So it's, I don't know, it's just it's just weird. It's like it feels like uh, I don't know exactly where the climax of the episode is supposed to be. It just kind of me. Yeah, it it hits, sort of hits something in the courtroom, and then it and then it goes on meanders for a few minutes, and then it just stops. Um, so you know, it doesn't have enough meat as it's going. I agree, but then I think it doesn't. It doesn't know what it really wants to be about. So that holds it back. And speaking of that. It does it does it lack focus for um, you know what it's really trying to be about what it and you know what do you guys think it's trying to be about? Well, it's time trying to you know the stuff that I had written down you know the more you know with Colos the moral questioning of his society and what they used to be and what they've become um, um, honorable judgment you know it's kind of some of the things I just had written down. I don't know if that's a stretch. What about you, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like along the lines of it. That's maybe what they're trying to do, and it's not like they, you know, it's it's that that notion is competing with something else. It's just there's so little on it, with so much other fluff thrown in that you kind of just lose lose track mm-hmm. of that. You know, it's they could have gone that direction. That'd been the most obvious way to go. You know, all his thoughts on how it was, and I'm gonna fight for the the. Right yeah, so or, 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 if you're gonna do that, 
why isn't the courtroom i mean yeah okay star trek's done a lot of times but you know what it works <laughs> why mm. isn't the courtroom the you know why spend an extra five minutes or six minutes at repente why not just write that my you know give me some great you know moving speeches and dialogue and let the climax be in in the courtroom mm-hmm. you know and don't do the exact same thing they did in star trek six guilty yeah. but i'm commuting the sentence and you're going to repente you know like yeah. you said steve yeah there's a lot of fun like references um but god i'd rather have i'd rather have good writing and a good story and good characters and than than references seven days a week so i think that if they if they'd focused a little bit more um on what on trying to to tell a story about something and they could have done this they could have done this whole we were once an honorable people you know and now this is what we are yeah, this is what we've become. You know that that could have been a real rallying cry, and that could have been the climax, and I think it would have could have worked in there, in the um, in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they don't. I think they just got a little too carried away with all the references. That to it would have been cheaper to do that too, to not go to Repente. It would have mm-hmm. been cost less. It just it's just obviously it's easier to write than they go to Repente than it is to you know write some <laughs> great dialogue. But I've talked many times about how you know if we. <laughs> There have been plenty of courtroom drama episodes of Star Trek. I'm I'm hesitant to even call this episode a courtroom episode, you know, considering the way it ends and you know going to repent and stuff. But um, I've really liked some of those, even the original series. Uh, court, no, court martial, right? That's mm-hmm, the one. Where, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Ep- I love that episode. Part of it, so I love that nutty lawyer with all the books. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I love that episode. I, I really do. And you know, Next Gen, Measure of a Man. There were some other ones. Um, uh, of course, DS Nine had that really good episode with the uh, Worf on trial and, and other other or the the one where um, Dax is on trial. So you know, there have been plenty of really good courtroom um, episodes. Uh, and they have one thing in common, you know. The courtroom is the—it's where the story unfolds, and it's where the climax happens, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they just got a little—they just lost some focus here. I think this is not a terrible episode. Certainly, if you like Klingons, it's fun. The Klingons do feel like a more primitive version of the Klingons that we'll see by. You know, mid to late next gen and and DS9, which is what you know. I think that most of us think of the Klingons as being. This does feel like a more, you know, a a version of, that's 100, 200 years before that. Um, so they get that right. You know, it's got the right look and feel. Um, just doesn't have the writing that we want. So. <sighs> I think we have pretty much covered judgment. You guys got anything else on that one? No, I think we're good. Mm, no. Let's do six degrees for judgment. Um, Adam, you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. John Vickery plays Orak, the prosecutor that thinks death would have been a happier sentence. In DS9's seventh season, he played the Cardassian Gull Rousseau. Gull Rousseau. Rousseau, Damar, and Kira attempt to hijack a Jem'Hadar ship in the episode Tacking into the Wind, but Rousseau is killed. How does he die? Attacking into the wind. Um, 
can't remember the episode. It's right near the end of the whole show series. Um, killed in battle. Mm, I need something more. Not really. I need something more specific. Steve. I mean, I remember the title of the episode. I kind of remember what you're talking about, but you are both going to remember this the second I tell you. Was he protecting Demar from getting killed, or nope? Okay. Demar kills him. He's oh, Demar's, he's Demar's best buddy, and when the plan starts to go awry, Demar says, or he says, "Why are we helping um, Kira? Let's just." He put, points a weapon at her, and then Demar kills him. Yeah, yeah. Oh. All right. Uh, Steve J.G. Hertzler plays Kolos, Archer's advocate who decides to vacation on Repente. Hertzler, of course, is best known for playing Martok on DS9, but his first trick role was in the pilot of DS9 as whom? Mm, oh, yeah. Gosh. Um. Wow, it's like on the tip of my tongue, or whatever the equivalent would be to when you're kind of seeing something. Um. Yeah, you don't have to give me like an actual character name or anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not coming to me. Adam, the pilot episode of DS9. You said. Yep. I don't know. Was he a Bajoran? No, he was the captain of the Saratoga during the Wolf 359 flashback. Mm. Cisco's, okay. Cisco was his XO. Hmm. He, well, d- right. he dies. He was actually a Vulcan captain. Okay. He's, he well. speaks later in the episode, but it's when during like, he's the pro- a prophet flashback right, stuff. Right. You know? yeah. So not often we both get two strikes on the first, yeah. uh, first round. Yeah. I guess those were hard questions, huh? Mm-hmm. Every time you guys miss one, I always imagine so many of our listeners... <laughs> Being like, oh god, I'm like shouting at the radio. <laughs> yeah, some. Most of the time, I ask you guys questions that I probably would not know the answer to. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right that's what we should do for Christmas. Maybe Steve and I should come up some <laughs> questions. Yeah, we do need you. some ideas, but I couldn't hear whatever you just said. Moving on. <laughs> Horizon Season Two, Episode Twenty, Production Number Two Twenty. Original Air Date April Sixteenth, Two Thousand Three. Directed by James A. Contner. Written by Andre Bormanis. Music composed by Mark McKenzie. Guest cast include Joan Pringle as Rihanna Mayweather, Corey Mendel Parker as Paul Mayweather, Nicole Forrester as Nora, Philip Anthony Rodriguez as Juan, Adam Paul as Crewman Nichols, and Kenneth Feinberg as Alien Captain. <laughs> Enterprise reverses course to investigate a geological phenomenon. The course change will take the ship near the ECS horizon, the cargo ship where Mayweather grew up. Mayweather requests a few days off to make a family visit. He hasn't been home in several years, and his father is ill. The ensign is somewhat nervous about seeing his family. His father didn't seem to approve of his decision to leave the horizon to join Starfleet. You're the helmsman of the first Warp 5 starship. I'm proud of you. Everyone here is, even Paul, though he won't admit it. If you'll indulge a little motherly advice, don't let your guilt over leaving guide your decision. You know, this episode surprised me. I, uh... 
Okay, as, I, as I've mentioned several times, I, I've, I've really only seen Enterprise twice. A couple episodes I watched more than once, but for the most part, I watched it as it aired, and then I watched it when the DVDs came out, and that was it. Um, and my memory was, and, and, and I've been pleasantly surprised so far at some of the things that have been different than I remembered, or maybe better than I remembered. Um, and then, you know, there have been things that were just as bad, if not worse, than I remembered the song. <laughs> but... I remembered honestly Anthony Montgomery not being very. I always, I mean, his, his kind of being maybe the weakest actor on the show, you know. And I always inferred that the producers maybe felt the same way because they gave him so few episodes. But um, I actually thought he was pretty decent in this episode. He's got a lot to do, obviously, but I don't just mean he's in a lot of shots or something. I mean like he he has to express a fair amount of. Um, emotion here and I never thought he was bad and, I, and I'm interested to, to hear if you guys thought this but this was the first time I thought you know has maybe he, he has he improved since season one you know you had the sequence where um, Archer kind of comforts him up in the sweet spot after they learn that his father has died um, you have the scene uh, where he's the, the walk and talk with his mother that ends up in his old room and he's and she put up whatever that old star chart that he had written some things on and kind of you know he started off as just being the the kid-ish person that's supposed to have the almost childlike wonder at all these things they do um, and there's still a little bit of that but I, I it was the first time I thought you know he's kind of he's kind of He's grown, and I think that he does a pretty decent job in this episode. Maybe uh, I don't know. Did, did you guys think that at all? Did he? Do you, does did he previously bother you as much as he bothered me? Oh, that's a too strong a word, but you know what I'm saying. Like he maybe was the weak, the weaker performer in the show. Um, I wouldn't say he ever bothered me. Even the first the first time I watched um, these episodes, unlike um, um you guys, I when we started doing this podcast, I decided just to wait to watch the episodes again so i don't i don't maybe i didn't watch him i haven't watched the episodes over and over again to kind of get a feel for like character or not doesn't bother me i think um i think the only time i was bothered by it was wesley crusher in the first season but of next gen and but then you know he grew on me the second time around um but i kind of agree with you brian i wasn't sure what to expect with this episode because um, it's you know because we have talked about Mayweather he hasn't done a whole lot they haven't given him a whole lot to do and when they have it's just so so he's just kind of you know and we haven't gotten a lot of character development so we get a lot of that just in this episode but it's kind of interesting to see how he grew up on a cargo ship how that life is I mean even though you can kind of picture it it's nice to be in the ship and kind of see how these people live it's just like a really tight community and they're like in space for months and months it's kind of like an old seafaring ship kind of lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I agree. It, it's interesting because I, I've, I've always thought that too, that there were times when I thought, and he's not particularly convincing, but I, I did not think that at all in this episode. I thought he was thought he was better, and I don't know what all, what that's attributed to. I don't know if he there's improvement. I don't know if the writing is better, if it's some kind of combination. And I think it's kind of hard to, 
it's harder than we think to pull off a character that kind of has that, like you said, that kind of childlike wonder, the new, everything is, you know, the excitement and it not be cheesy or yeah. grating or something. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if I can't, if I have trouble separating that vibe, kind of like not as extreme, but like you said, Wesley Crusher um, early on, you know, that kind of, you know, that's wide eyed, silly. So I don't know. And um, so, so I'm not sure what it is. It could be all those things. It could be that this is a very real story and, he, and it still stayed true to that character yet it was he's he's seen a lot of stuff he's seen more and more stuff so he's starting to become more rounded more experienced i don't know but yeah it's interesting yeah we get some texture in with him his brother and his family we don't really other than the fact that he grew up on a cargo ship we didn't know a whole lot about um how many brothers or sisters he had or how he grew up or anything he got like you know like the ghost stories he told in one episode or something but there wasn't a whole lot of meat to his character We've used that. I've used that word too many times today. Meat. <laughs> the word of the day is meat. <laughs> I'm thinking about turkey. Everybody out there. There you go. It's appropriate. Right yeah. Um, but um, yeah, you get a lot of that. I didn't. It's like I said. It's been so long since I've seen this episode. I assumed that was his brother when he went to the cargo ship, but I wasn't like for sure. I was like, it seems like until they actually said it. So. Yeah, you know, the one comment I make is on this on that whole storyline is, um. The the battle stuff, you know, the the aliens that show up and and attack them, and he's got to modify the weapons and all that stuff, and that that stuff is fine. Um, I know they feel so obliged to have stakes like that in every episode of Star Trek, <laughs> but I would have loved for them to, you know, do like a next gen family sort of thing out of this, and I, I think I think that it, especially because that that stuff. I didn't turn off or anything, but it wasn't nearly as interesting to me as every other scene on the horizon. Um, you know, when he first shows up, like I said, between him and his mother, and then to a lesser extent, him and his brother. His brother maybe was just a tiny bit one-dimensional for me, but uh, even that, the blonde girl that was like his friend, I think she's only in one scene, but she comes to his room and they talk for a bit. Yeah, you know, Everybody on a cargo ship is cute, by the way. Yeah, I know. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I almost would have liked for them to for it to all be like a you know a family type of episode, and um, I think they could have. I think they, especially if you watch those first few scenes on the horizon, I, I you know I think you can make the argument that they could have pulled it off. It could have been next gen fam, like the episode of next gen family, that sort of thing, where we don't actually have to have the you know what did, ship what did, attacking them battle sequence sort of sort of stakes i think they would have pulled off a dramatic episode if they'd wanted to so um so i got a question for you guys so um obviously i really enjoyed the scene between archer and mayweather when um archer went to comfort him after his his father died but what did you guys think of that decision to kill off the father right before he goes to to meet him i was curious about what you guys want to thought about the decision i mean you know like i said the payoff is we got that nice scene between archer and him but i you know well, you were talking I can about understand that, that they want to have some dramatic you know inciting incident uh that makes sense to me i i think it felt a little structurally it's a little bit weird the teaser in this episode hmm. mayweather puts down his book the end that that's the teaser it's yeah. that's a little bit weird you know, maybe if the teaser had been him finding out that his father had died, that would have been a, a more dramatic, interesting way to start the episode. But it kind of doesn't have an opening. Um, yeah, maybe maybe he dies, and that's why he goes back instead of them just kind of. Yeah. Would have been a little bit more, you know, it would have been a little more 
direct and and you, you, then you would have had could have spent even more time doing the dramatic stuff but obviously they're still a little bit scared to do it at all since they still had to have a ship attack them <laughs> um i do feel like we have to point out as usual that T'Pol is the funniest mm-hmm. person uh, on the show. Maybe, maybe the funniest in all <laughs> Star Trek. I don't know. She's <laughs> she's pretty darn funny. The look she has on her face whenever Archer says to her, I'll, "You'll be my date." <laughs> she says, "I beg your pardon." The look on her face made me laugh out loud. <laughs> made me laugh out loud. Um, and then um, there was something else. Oh yeah, whenever she's talking about <laughs> the Frankenstein movie, and she says. Um, I'm going to recommend Ambassador <laughs> Ball watch the film. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. It's really funny. She's she's just she's funny. She had a good analysis of the film too. Yeah, she did. I remember studying uh, Adam. And did you have uh, what's his name? What was his art at UNT? Benoff. Ben. Yeah, like I can't. The horror movie class. Yeah, like I remember, he was a great. He was a fantastic teacher. I think yeah. he, he might even still be there. I don't know, but he was fantastic. I remember we had a whole. We had a whole class on, uh, on not the first whale, um, but the second one, uh, the bride. Was he the, is, was he the one that wrote the book Monsters in the Closet? I can't remember. Yes, I think that was him. Anyway, yes, I sorry, did take sorry to say that. But yes, uh, so his class, he made me really appreciate Frankenstein and especially Bride of Frankenstein. Very, very uh, um, thematically interesting material. Uh, but I digress. Um, all right. So we are on a uh, taco deadline. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to talk about in this episode? <laughs> no, so no, really. What else? Go ahead. It, I, anytime I've ever asked anything else you guys want to say, it's like me asking if you want to go first or second in six degrees. You always, always say no. There's nothing else you want to say. And if I ask about six degrees, you always say yes. You're going to go first. But <laughs> I change it up every now and then. Yeah. And, uh, for the, the, op- the open-ended questions work better, you know. If you say, like you do sometimes, what's your favorite scene? That there's got they got to have an answer. If, if the answer can be no, <laughs> then it's easier. You know? I like the little next-gen joke. I mean, this is the, this is the way yes, that was as fun. opposed to the previous episode where, you know, I mean, it was, but the little next-gen bit about Starfleet. Star, I think it was made by other Starfleet should have families aboard, and Reese like they'll have to post a shrink aboard. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. your parents walking around everywhere. That's funny. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Speaking of the fight scene, I just, I, one more thing to add. I thought it was kind of weird that the the little ship would come off the cargo ship and it was like became like a little fighter pl- fighter with the end battle scene. So I did kind of thought the end battle scene was kind of weird because the the <laughs> well, ship is it's cool, but it, it did seem like too small. Like it, you get the sense yeah, too, that that's a big ship. People. Yeah, you get the sense there's all these people working. There's you know. But I guess I don't. Maybe maybe the living quarters are on one of those cargo things. It would have to be. Yeah. Because it's like um, this that that front end of the ship is like not even a fourth the size of Enterprise. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've. Oh no, we didn't. No, we haven't. I don't. You know, I don't know why. Where how this has started recently, but I've been like almost forgetting to ask what stuff's about. The whole point of our show. This <laughs> started to elude me. What is this episode about? Coming into your own, being comfortable with your decisions and the life you choose. And that's kind of what they're. I don't know. That's what they I guess they were trying to say with Mayweather and his, you know, wanting, you know, feeling guilty about leaving um, his father or his family's lifestyle 
Um, you know, and then you have the scene with his, you know, you have the scene with Archer where, you know, he tells him that, you know, he, your father was proud of you. And then later on, you know, there's a scene with Mayweather and his mother and, you know, he's talking about wanting to stay there and she tells him why he can't basically. Yeah. How proud they all are of him, of, of what he's doing. Yeah, I think it's it's uh, the one's perspective is always different when you come home again. You know the whole notion you can't go home again. Well, you you go home, but everything's everything's different. It's never going to be the same as it was. And it's interesting we started this discussion talking about, um, you know, the actor playing Mayweather and and how mm, is it yeah. is he is it there's something new here? What's going on? Well, there is a maturity thing. I mean, they're young enough, and this kind of experience going through the year and a half, it's a lot of thought of stuff going on there. So, a, you know, you come back, and he hasn't been there for how long, and he's a different person, and how that affects. We all experience that when we see people again we haven't seen in a long time, and inevitably there's just something a little different about you, something different about them, and so the dynamic's different. Not to mention, of course, in this situation, his, his father's passed, so, you know. So, so an episode that um, was better than I'd remembered it, a mm-hmm. lot better than I'd remembered it. You know, like I said, I, there, there's there's a section kind of near the end there with the whole the fight, the battle and stuff where I, I tune out a little, but um, other than that, this episode was definitely better than I remembered it. The the B story, the the one interesting thing about the B story was that when it first first starts and Trip uh, invites Paul to a horror movie night, it was the first time it almost felt like he was hitting on her to me. It was mm-hmm. the first time I'd ever thought it, it seemed like maybe there was something romantic. It was the first time ever. Now obviously I'm saying that with the benefit of fourth season hindsight, but um, I kind of wondered about that. But then of course very quickly, no, it didn't feel that way anymore everybody's trying to get her to go and she's enjoying the movie and whatever. Um, but anyway, it was the first time I'd ever, it ever seemed like maybe there was a spark of something there. Hmm. All right, let's do six degrees for horizon. Let's see. Adam went first last time. So Steve, mm-hmm. um, Nicole Forrester plays Nora Mayweather's childhood female friend who tells him things aren't so great now that his bro's in charge. In DS9's third season, in the episode Distant Voices, she played a double girl that was actually a figment of someone's unconscious imagination uh, as he or she fights to stay alive while he or she is unconscious. Who was unconscious? Oh, geez. Did you, did you say the name of the episode just now? Or Distant Voices, third season, DS9. Okay. Gosh, I vaguely remember this. It was just... We do see this person very, very old in his or hers pseudo dream thing. Okay. Um, it's Bashir. You're correct. It was Bashir. Adam, in Mayweather's old quarters in the background, there's a book called Chicago Gangs. This is a reference to a book left by members of a starship called the Horizon, maybe the same ship. Uh, the consequences of which can be they left a, a book. Similar book uh, on another planet just a few years after this. So I don't know if it's the same ship or not. Uh, but the consequences of that action can be seen in which episode of the original series? That was I, I know the episode, but I don't know the name. Uh, Steve? PC Action? You're correct. So they don't actually say that it's the same ship or anything. Right. right? I don't think so. No. It's just how many ships called Horizon are there a few years later? 10 or 15 years later, something like that. Uh, okay, uh, so Steve has two, Adam has none. Moving on. 
The Breach, Season 2, Episode 21, Production Number 221. Original air date, April 23, 2003. Directed by Robert Duncan McNeil. Story by Daniel McCarthy. Teleplay by Chris Black and John Scheiben. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Henry Stram as Hudak, Mark Chait as Yoan, Laura Putney as Trevix, DC Douglas as Zept, and Jamison Yang as Crewman. Enterprise is asked to evacuate a Denobian geologist from Exingdoria, a world that has been taken over by a military faction. Meanwhile, another ship of off-worlders is heading away from Exandrius when their reactor casing is ruptured, flooding the ship with radiation. Archer brings the evacuees aboard Enterprise for treatment. One of the evacuees is an Antarian named Hudak, who is horrified that Enterprise's doctor is Denobian. Do you believe I can earn his trust in less than 36 hours? All I'm asking is that you try. Your ethics might keep you from treating him against his will, but nothing's stopping you from talking to him. You're a doctor. He's your patient. Find a way to help him. The Breach. Adam, kick us off on The Breach. The Breach, I thought was a very good episode. Obviously, because you probably... I'm thinking you'll agree, because it's Fox episode mainly. Um... Obviously, it starts off with um, Fox in his in his sick bay doing his thing, and you know, then they're off to save Noblins. And it seems like that's where the episode's going to go. And um, the A story, it's kind of weird because the A story doesn't emerge until you know a good five or so minutes into the episode after um, the planet's being evacuated, after they've all gone down to the surface to look for other Noblins, and then we get the A story here where um, with Fox and um, his ancestor, you know. Is the Denobian race and this, you know, war, these centuries of war they've had with this um, Antarian race and this, you know, and it's an interesting thing because we think of, I never, you know, thus far and I haven't really thought of, we thought, I've thought of Flocks as more open minded and that kind of thing. And we get to see maybe this, an insight into the Denobian culture culture because we don't really know anything about them it's a new race to specific to this um this series so we get um background on that and we get background on flocks and he does an excellent job there's a lot of excellent scenes with him struggling with um the nature of this relationship between him and his patients and um i think archer has a lot of good scenes with him and him trying to you know persuade him to do the right thing to help this man no matter no matter what it takes um I think I like the idea of this episode more than I I, I surprised myself. I surprised myself? <laughs> um, I would have guessed this was going to be my favorite episode before I rewatched the three, but I, of, of the three today. But it turned out to be Horizon for me, I think. The Breach, um, I don't really care for the B story. Uh, I think we've seen it a million times and it's predictable and... Uh, I think Reed, Mayweather, and Trip look like Ghostbusters with those packs on. <laughs> and I'll never understand why so far into the future, you know, it's, it's climbing is still such a, a low-tech for Trek thing. I don't get that. But, you know, but the A story. The A story is, is interesting. Um, I probably wanted a I don't know if I wanted more of it, but it, it seemed like maybe it was a bit, maybe it was a bit of a stretch. 
for for Flux and and his species because we've we've kind of defined him this certain way as such a I don't know a calm loving person and a member of a calm loving race in a way that it that it it was hard for me to believe some of these things you know um, and that seemed kind of like they were trying to just make up some drama that maybe wasn't consistent with with the character and the species as they've been presented so far, I guess. Um, so it just feels like a little bit of a stretch, but there's still some good writing in there between them. Um, I love that sequence, um, the, the writing, his lines, you know, whenever he's talking about, you know, his one child that was seduced by this, this hatred for the intern people, you know, um, it's like, you know, why not live and set an example for your kids too? You know, that, that, that wasn't, a well-written scene, and I liked it. Um, and of course, it's it's nice to end the entire show on on him writing a letter to his estranged son. But uh, for the most part, I it it maybe was just a little bit of a stretch for me with with what it said about the Denoblian people. Uh, Steve, you gonna tiebreaker for this for us? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I did like this episode quite a bit. I agree that the B story is a weak point in it, certainly, and um, you know, it's kind of I don't know. There's there's the yeah, there's odd components to it and whatever, but I do like I do like the A story a lot, and um, I I think it was done well. I think what's interesting is the fact that I didn't think it was too big of a stretch. Uh, for flocks and the Denobulan people for what we see here. I don't think it was that big, such a big stretch that it was unbelievable because I think it's, I think the message is kind of like we all have something. We all have demons. You may not even be aware of them, you know, and, and not to say that we got to reveal that flocks flat out has some kind of prejudice. In fact, it's the, his relationship with the son that's getting him so agitated, I think, at, at the being able to communicate with this individual, even though he's, I think there is, is trepidation given that here it's basically like having a, I don't know, some kind of nightmare come true when you encounter um, a, a t- people for the first time in, in the flesh that you've been told about your whole life and never encountered. You know, So it's kind of a weird thing. But I think it's interesting the notion of um, and not to get into what I think is being addressed, what I was about too much, but this idea of um, not addressing a problem, you know, or or not not talking about an issue, and instead, you know, just pushing it away because you do that, and it never really goes away. And sooner or later, it's going to come back to haunt you. You know, I like I like that idea, and I think I think that was interesting how that was so that, touched on. And that's what you're saying. It's uh, it's about for you. Yeah, I feel I feel that it's not. I mean, I think. It's it's not really so much about a prejudice thing. For me, it's about not addressing a, a problem, something that you know, a, a bitterness or something like that, and you're just letting it letting it fester. And then, and so we see, not only is it amongst these two races, but you also have then even with his son. You know, his, yeah. his son's doing something that's distasteful, and he doesn't accept. So they're estranged. But has he? How hard has he tried? You know, in the however last many however many years to come back to that. You know. Yeah, I, I don't think it. Um, I'm maybe. I don't think this puts flocks into a bad light um, at all. Um, I don't think it's like a. To me, it's not a stretch for him because it's, you see that Flox is, has struggled with these prejudices that his, you know, his grandparents and I guess I'm, this has probably come up in earlier episodes but I didn't realize 
as Leland said, lived, lived this long. So I think he said that his grandmother lived through the wars, and so it was 300 years ago. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's because he clearly has distaste for that kind of prejudice, even though he hasn't experienced the species. So I kind of think that's kind of weird. Maybe I, maybe if they would have written it in that they did interact. I don't know how that would have worked, though, but um, I don't think it puts flocks into a, a kind of a bad light at all. Hmm. Um, but I like I like Steve's analysis about you know how how things kind of relate his the problem with his son that we've heard with that's been hinted at earlier on previous episodes is is reflective into this and it all culminates into this one encounter that he has with this patient. But so I also the, agree the B the B story is kind of lame. Yeah, it's it's one of these episodes that's. For me, it's kind of above average going going on great. You know what I mean? Like there's things they could have done. I mean obviously the B story would have been totally knocked out or rehashed and <laughs> other things too. But the, the A story is one of those germs that you could roll with in the right way and you have something really good. It's just it didn't – you know, there's – the rest of it kind of just – it's like they kind of got lazy with it or something, you know. But I think the core idea for the A story is good. I like that they yeah. were able to find some conflict there between – Archer and Flocks, you yeah. know, Dear Doctor, I've talked about how much I like that one. Mm-hmm. And a big part well, of that was, the that, opposite kind of was it. that conflict. Well, but, but you had you had Archer ordering him to help. And he, he literally uses the word, I order you to save him or whatever. And and Flocks says no. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, the scene later uh, on is good when, he, when he's like, well, you, you know, so we don't have that where he's charging him with insubordination or he's throwing him or anything like that he he archer doesn't take extreme action based on what what flock says there he says no basically disobeys their order he doesn't throw him in the brig but he convinces him to help this guy even though he just to get to know him to talk to him and I'm, i kind of think that's they kind of played opposite roles in this episode as they did in dear doctor where we're Flox was the moral compass for Archer in that episode. I think Archer kind of plays that role a little bit in this episode by forcing him to face this uncomfortable situation. Well, he does does a good job of like just simplifying it. You know, he says, "I know you're telling me this is a super complex your species, your people's going back all this far and there's all this, but look, you're a doctor. He's your patient. Find a way to help him." You know, that's that's mm-hmm. good. That's nice and you know, that works to me that that definitely works. So, um, so yeah, you know, a good episode, but I, you know, I, I, but the trip Reed Mayweather rescuing the scientists and I could not have been more bored every time we saw them. Um, it's funny. I have, I have, I have written down, I'm like, where are the first ropes for the, for the climbers? And then, then I have below it, like towards the end of this, oh, question answered because they just, they're Spider-Man. They just, <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> They're all Spider-Man, <laughs> and it, and it's and of course we could touch on this all the time, but it's the it's a perfect example of the whole nonsense of sending key personnel into a dangerous situation. It's like this is like so dangerous. It's like you're going to get hurt more likely than not. It looks like, and so yeah. let's send the chief engineer, the yeah, the chief, you know tactical officer and the pilot all down. And the only reason everyone but the pilot's going just because I think we can learn pretty fast. So no one else on the ship could learn pretty fast either. You know, send. The junior assistant geologist, or something. <laughs> they should have said flocks because he could climb walls. Mayweather broke his foot or whatever, and uh, they seem to go on just fine without him. 
Oh well. Uh, but yeah, the the A story, and and you're right, Adam. By the way, that that was an interesting note you made because you're right that I don't really remember them doing that exactly. They they kind of finagled the A story. It, it starts after the B story in a way, you know, and it, that's you know that's that was a interesting maneuver. Hmm. Let's do six degrees for the breach. Uh, Steve has two. Uh, Adam. Yes. Oh, uh, so none of the people that guest starred in this episode ever came back to Star Trek, so we can't do our traditional six degrees where we ask about other roles that the same guest stars have played. So I'm just going to ask you some trivia questions. Um, this, uh, let's talk about triples, since this would be the first time humans ever see them, canonically speaking. The very beginning when Phlox feeds uh Triple to one of his pets after showing it to Hoshi. Uh, in which season of the original series did the triples arrive in the episode The Trouble with Tribbles? Which season was that? Was it season two? You are correct. Uh, Steve, name the animated series episode that featured Klingons attempting to breed a triple predator. And yes, triple is in the title. Hmm. Tribbles, plural, actually. Okay. Um, gosh. I'm not so familiar with those. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Adam? Tribble source. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> more tribbles, more troubles. Ah, okay. Gotcha. I think I can only name, name like two episodes of the animated series. That's one, then the other one, <laughs> of course, yesteryear. <laughs> uh, um, but anyay. All right. So Steve takes it for the day. Well, sorry. So you did. It was a six degrees because there's a triple. It, it has a returning <laughs> to an episode. So I mean, Brian, you were incorrect when you said there that were no returning. Played a different triple. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it could have been a prop from the DS9 episode. You never know. <laughs> uh, all right, folks. So um, we are going to be back in two weeks with uh, the next three episodes of Enterprise's second season. But then two weeks after that. Um, that'll be the week of Christmas. We might post a little early that week. I'm not sure. We will do our annual holiday episode that breaks from our traditional structure of episodic reviews, just to talk about whatever we want. And at this point, all all I'm thinking about maybe is that we'll do like we're gonna maybe talk about some of our favorite movies of the year, but we'll limit it to like three. And uh, maybe we'll have a spoilerific talk about Star Wars since that will have come out. Um, a week prior. Don't worry. If we do anything like that, it'll be very clear. In case you haven't seen it, you'll be able to skip that. Uh, but if you know if any of our listeners have any other things they want us to talk about, send us send us an email. Trekcompanion at gmail dot com. You can also leave them a note on our Facebook listener page. That's facebook dot com slash trekcompanion. Uh, our Twitter. You can tweet us. Uh, our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Um, so. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us, and uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Take it easy. Bye. See you.
done, I passed it.